Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. Today on Focus on Why, I am joined by Be More Red, Mel Sherwood. Mel, welcome. Thank you very much. Appreciate being here. And why are you here today? What is it you're up to? Well, I am a pitch and presentation specialist. So I help people, mainly entrepreneurs and business professionals, to present themselves with more confidence, credibility and charisma. And I'm also founder of The Red Effect, which is a program that I've created over the last couple of years to help people express themselves and before that even reconnect with themselves or connect with themselves if they've never been connected with themselves and then to be able to express themselves boldly and unapologetically is the plan. And why would people not be connected with themselves? So many reasons. And I mean, this stemmed from from my own experience. So a couple of years ago, I found myself, despite business was going well, I just bought and renovated a new place to live, which was great. And I'd bought myself a cute little red convertible car, but I was just feeling miserable. And I didn't have any desire to do anything from the outside. Everything looked great, but I just, for whatever reason, lost my mojo and I was totally uninterested in anything. And I just felt like I was wading through treacle and I, I was questioning it and it, it went on for quite a while. And I, to the point where I was thinking about giving up my business and looking at other options and even moving countries again and just, you know, starting again and having something new. And then I was speaking with uh, a friend of mine who uh, I, I nearly didn't have the conversation because I was feeling so miserable and I thought, oh, I don't want to burden anyone with my stuff. But I, I I went to bed and it, that we asked, our chat was due the next morning. So I thought I'll sleep on it and then I'll decide. Anyway, we had a conversation in the morning. It lasted two hours. And at the end of the conversation, he said, Mel, I think the answer is really simple. He said, everyone associates the color red with you. It's vibrant and positive and energetic. He said, I think you just need to put on your red lipstick and go for a drive in your red car. Just stop being blue and be more red. And of course, you know, if I was in a, uh, you know, if I was having really uh, a lot of problems with my mental health, you wouldn't just say stop being blue. But what he said to me was perfect. And at the end of that conversation, there were three words ringing in my ear, be more red. And I thought, oh, and and I got, I suddenly, it just kept, it would not stop. That's that, that phrase kept going, what does be more red mean? And within 24 hours, I'd started writing a book. I'd bought the domain name, bemorered.com. And I'd started to think about what does being more red mean? And for me, it was about reconnecting with who, who I am. And the whole lipstick comment was because when I was feeling so miserable, I don't know what happens to you when, when you're a bit out of sorts, but for me, a few things happen. I, I spend a lot of time on social media, observing other people's lives and avoiding my own. I eat my body weight in chocolate and I stop wearing red lipstick and I'm quite well known for my red lipstick. I wear it when I feel good and I, I wear it when I want to feel good, but I got to the point that I just couldn't 
be bothered putting it on. And to be honest, I was wearing my pajamas a lot as well. and Just didn't really work with the pajama look. <laughs> so, but he had said, put on your red lipstick and, uh, you know, and, and just be more red. So I thought, what does it mean? So it means for me is getting back to who I am at my core. And what I'd realized is that I'd, I'd been, I'd spent so much of my life actually trying to be who I thought I should be and do what I thought I should do that I completely lost track of who I was. And even in my business, it was quite successful, but it wasn't what I'd set out to do necessarily. So I had this, then I started to think, well, what does be more red mean for me? And then what does it mean for other people? And then I started to think about red as an acronym. And I was thinking about, well, we, we have a different shade of red for each situation that we're in. So in one situation, we might want to be more, I don't know, real entertaining and dynamic. In another situation, we might want to be more radiant, enchanting and dazzling. And so I started to just play about with these words and I came up with a whole lot of words that started with R, E and D. And then I, I sort of worked on this program over, over the time. It kind of came and went, came and went. And I, I had this motivation to do it and then I didn't. And then I had motivation and then I didn't. And everyone I spoke to about it said, oh, my goodness, Mel, that's so you. That's really exciting. And every time you talk about it, you light up, which was true. But I've only realized recently that the reason I didn't go gung-ho and straight into it is because, to be honest, I was exhausted and I couldn't fathom I knew it could be something amazing and something big, but I just didn't have the energy uh, physically, emotionally, any any way, shape or form to actually pursue it. So I, I had started incorporating it a bit in my work and I ran a, a challenge called the Red Effect Challenge last year, which was a five-day thing, which got some great feedback. But again, I didn't, didn't want to jump in boots and all. There was something holding me back. And I, I was in... Cambodia and Bali over Jan in January. Reason I was there is because I'd been involved in a fundraising team that raised funds to build a school in Cambodia. So we went over for the official opening of that. And we were in Cambodia for about three weeks and then Bali for another week. So there was a team of 12 and then five of us from that team went to Bali for a week afterwards. And on our last day in Bali, I had uh, we'd been to a, a sort of a, a cleansing ceremony in this beautiful temple and uh, just it was just, you know, a really lovely, lovely experience. And at the after that, in the afternoon, I was sitting with someone by the pool and I don't do sitting by the pool. I find it really challenging to relax while other people were sitting by the pool. I was out walking and exploring the, the surroundings and whatever. And I, but I was sitting chatting and it dawned on me that it was the first time that I could remember feeling relaxed in, I couldn't even remember when was the last time I'd felt that. I went, oh my goodness, is this what it feels like to be relaxed? I'd been away for a month and I was leaving the next day and I thought there's something really wrong with this picture. And I think when you run your own business, it's always on your mind. There's always things that you're, you're doing, but I just realized that I hadn't, I hadn't been being more read. I hadn't been focused on myself and what was important to me and part of what is important to me is making sure that my health and well-being is taken care of and that I'm in in the best state that I can be in so that I can serve other people more effectively. So there was yeah there was this whole kind of realization in so that was the end of January on the 26th of January I flew back to Edinburgh and found that I I well within a couple of days I was back in it really back in it. And then the whole COVID thing, which had been 
indicated we we flew back via Paris and it, at um, the airport we were greeted by uh, you know people in space suits and handing out leaflets about and so it was really a big thing to come after being away for a month and then come back to this and then so I kind of had an idea about where things might be heading and but I just got straight back into work mode didn't change a thing after that realization and then gradually. Uh, as, as we approached sort of, sort of in March, all of my work got cancelled or postponed. And at that point, I, the day before lockdown was announced, actually, I had gone for um, a, a, a walk on the beach, which is where all my major decisions are made, <laughs> actually. And I left left my car not knowing what I was doing. And I got back to my car and it hit me that I needed to take a break. And I thought with all of this is that's going on, my, not all, I think there was one more thing that hadn't been cancelled or postponed yet that I still had to do. But I just, I made the decision then that I was going to take a step back because I always thought I couldn't because, you know, how could I? Could you? But if clients weren't going to be interested in me, I'm pitch and presentation skills, training, that's not the priority when COVID's hitting in your businesses. So I thought, do you know what? If ever I'm going to take a break, now is the time because I can, you know, be quiet. No one's going to, <laughs> no one's going to be having an issue with that. There was the option of pivoting and getting everything online, and but this the whole uh, energy around that at the time where everybody was like, me, me, look at me, have my free webinar, do this, my 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 this stuff and that stuff, and this is how you cope, and this is how you be online. And whilst I have the skills to support people to interact effectively on online. And actually I just have, have just just launched a new coaching program called Vava Zoom about powering up your, your, your online presence. But at the time I just didn't have the energy to, to focus on that. So I took a step back and actually got a whole another part of the story was while I was away, I made the decision that I was moving back to the beach because I had lived in by the beach and I, I, I feel great. I feel soul nurtured when I'm by the beach and for various life reasons, I had uh, moved away. Uh, and I, and I thought, right. And so within a few days of getting back to the UK, I was, I start, I was looking at properties and I was looking at how I could make that happen. So, uh, I had then arranged, uh, it was all organized. I was due to leave, uh, to move on the 3rd of April, but everything got put on hold because of COVID. I've ended up moving, which was great, but it was all kind of part of that process. And so I, at the time, just took a step back and I was halfway through packing and uh, and I just, yeah, I, I tried. I didn't totally succeed, but I spent a lot less time thinking about my business and I wasn't on social media uh, promoting it. I just stepped right back. And that, and I did a lot of personal development work, reconnecting with who I was and <laughs> you know, being more read that whole. Uh, and so I emerged from that rest and then have, having moved to the, the close to the sea where I feel soul nurtured and the, it just, the timing felt right to actually launch the program. So I, I did that with fear and trepidation because it's something new and it's something different to what I've been doing previously but have had have just finished the first first program, which had incredibly transformational results for people. And I'm I've now got a whole group of and I've aimed it specifically at women, although I know a lot of men are very interested in it as well. But for this particular round, uh, yeah, I worked with a group of women who have just yeah totally transformed the way they think. I had two of them dye their hair red. <laughs> 
which is like really cute, I thought. But one of them had always wanted to do it since she was a teenager and never had, had done it and just went, actually, this is who I want to be. This is who I am. And so just took the and, – and part of when we look at some of the, the R, E, and D words, uh, hers was risky, emboldened, and daring. So of course she's taking taking risks that she or, or doing things that she wouldn't normally do. So, yeah. Anyway, that's a big long roundabout way of saying where I'm at. <laughs> that's great. And I just wanted to come back to that initial sort of doubt that you had with yourself about asking for help at the beginning and, and that sort of reticence to, to to have the conversation with someone. Was that because you didn't want to burden them, or was it because you didn't want to change yourself? I well, interesting question because I would have said I wouldn't want to wouldn't want to have burdened them, but it, it could well be, and I hadn't considered whether it was that I didn't want to change myself. Having said that, I knew I needed I knew things needed to change, and I knew that part of that was me reconnecting with who I was. I, I knew I was disconnected, and so actually, just that that short sharp message stop being blue and be more red <laughs> I just had the desired effect and it, it literally a light bulb went off for me and it's created this whole new part of my business which is fab <laughs> and that's incredible that you know a two-hour conversation can lead to entire brand and business so I hope you thank them very much <laughs> totally <laughs> absolutely yes we're very good friends and I'm super super grateful <laughs> so Anybody who's going on this sort of journey of reconnecting with themselves, what would you, I mean, you moved countries, you, you said that, you know, you need to be by the beach. How else can people sort of reconnect with themselves? I think for me, there's a, there's a few different things and it, it's, it's understanding your, your values, which I've done a lot of work on this year. I've done values work in the past and never really committed to it almost. It's like, there's no point asking about what your values are and then go, Oh yeah, that's my values. But then actually making no effort to live by that. <laughs> so earlier on this year, uh, during the, the, the lockdown, I started thinking about, about values and I, I kind of boiled it down to my five and I properly wrote them down and I, I explored what that meant. And I've always felt like I've had so many, I didn't know what it was, but I managed to kind of whittle them down. And for me, the key things, and I've always known that the first one is freedom. And so for me, that means freedom of time and location in terms of the work that I do. It's, it's uh, freedom is ultimately, you know, financially, uh, financially being financially free enables more freedom and choice. And it really is about choice for me. So yeah, so there's there's freedom and then beauty, which seems a bit weird, and but it's not about how people look. It's nothing to do with that kind of outside beauty. But for me, beauty is about nature and art and aesthetically pleasing surroundings. I like balance and, and that sort of thing. Uh, and then connection, and that's with myself, with other people, with the planet with the wider universe. So being able to, to connect on many different levels, expression. And again, that's helping, you know, making sure that I'm expressing myself. And that's a theme that's come up in my life, Amy, that we might explore, but the, the challenge to express myself and then, uh, but also helping others to express themselves and then finally, I've, I've grouped it as best self. And for me, that's about being the best that I can be 
physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. So that's about continual growth really. And, and understanding myself more and just making sure that I support myself to show up as, as my best. So there was those, those, I kind of whittled it down to those five. They're quite broad, but knowing what they are has really helped me just measure everything against it and, and what I'm doing, which is, you know, reinforced my move to the beach because that's aesthetically pleasing and it nurtures my soul and I feel connected and I can walk in nature and that sort of thing. Uh, so yeah, so that's really important, I think, but taking time instead of just being on the treadmill. And that's been my biggest challenge is to, to, and I'm still not an expert at it, but I know every time I actually take time to writing my journal, which is a key, key part of it for me. I'm a big journal writer quite often when, just when I've got things to deal with. Uh, but interestingly, as I said, all, all my big decisions have been made by the beach. And I, I looked, looked at my journal <laughs> not so long ago, of you know, the one that I was writing in when I made the decision to move this time, uh, no, to take the time off during COVID lockdown. And uh, yeah, and that just, it, that it's so interesting that just exploring feelings and uh, just getting it out can sometimes give you so much better perspective as well. So journaling is a big key for me. I talk about meditation. I'm not great at it, but my meditation sometimes is just walking on the beach, spending that time, allowing myself to, to be. Uh, so yeah, that, those are some of the, some of the tools I, th I think to get back to who you are. And when you describe your values, I, what I hear coming through, so maybe even being the umbrella for all of them, is this authenticity, this sort of needing to be authentic to yourself. Yeah. And interestingly, I did, um, with Nikki Owen, she, I, I did a, a, became an accredited authentic charisma coach. And she, you know, she's the queen of queen of charisma. She knows, you know, she's studied it. It's, it's a whole life's work. But what was interesting to me is that I went to uh, that training and I had a limiting belief that I wasn't being fully me. And so, interestingly, I worked through an exercise with with one of the other women who was on the course, and we looked at this limiting belief that I didn't feel like I was being fully me. And then worked through what that might look like. And then it was like, well, you know, it's okay to be me. And we went through that. And I'm like, that's not really doing it for me. It's not resonating. And I had this whole experience where something came to me, what felt like it was, was me. But because of who I was talking to, she was, uh, she struck me as someone who didn't necessarily appreciate swearing and I wanted to swear in this little phrase that came to me so and I, I was having this this dialogue with myself in my head going oh you can't say that because you might be offended oh come on Mel this is all about being authentic you know this whole conversation was going on in my head <laughs> eventually I said to her look something's coming to me but you know it's got a swear word in it and I didn't don't want to oh no she said come on this is you being authentic so um what came to me um, is the, the phrase, I am who I am, so you can all F off. And by you all F off, I didn't mean uh, people. I meant society's expectations, my own limiting beliefs. Anything that was going to stop me being fully who I am could just F off. So I kind of, it was quite a transformational experience for me. And interestingly enough, I met another friend of mine after, after the, I'd been on this course for two or three days and I met up with her and from a distance, she was calling out to me and I, I didn't hear her. But when she got, got close to me, she said, 
you know, great to see you, da 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 da. She said, "Wow, you seem so different." And she she had no idea where I'd been for three days. And I said, "What do you mean?" She said, "Well, you don't look any different. You just you're just different." And she said there was just this energy, this aura about me, and. I was fascinated that she could see that from a distance, this whole just change. And it was about me accepting who I am. Now it's, I haven't, it wasn't immediate because it was, it's been a journey and the whole expression thing. Uh, so interestingly, so I have a background as a performer and I had wanted to become a performer. And as a, a young girl, I was always, you know, pretending I was a you know, singer or dancer or something. And I was the first born. So, uh, you know, until my brother came along when I was about two and a half, nearly three, you know, I was the star of the show. And so then he came along and anyway, so, so I kept on, uh, with this kind of perform, but I never believed it was possible to be a performer. I just loved doing it. And then when I was about eight, I was pretending I was an opera singer. So I was wandering around the house in this silly costume and going, oh, and my uncle, he, he was there and he said, uh, he said, ah, ah, you're hurting my ears. And he laughed at me and he said, you'll never be a singer. And in that moment, that eight-year-old girl's dreams were just shattered and it had such a profound effect on me. And it even makes me emotional when I think about it right now. But um, that little girl, her dreams were crushed and the the impact of it was that I, I didn't sing. I, I stopped singing. This is about this whole expression thing we were talking about. And I got so, uh, you know, I stopped I decided I wanted to, in my teens, I decided I wanted to be a performer, but I always knew I couldn't sing, so I couldn't be a singer. So I went and, and had some singing lessons to uh, really make me more versatile as a performer, knowing I'm, I'm not a singer, but if I could sing, it would help. And I loved musical theatre. So I had years and years and years of singing lessons, but I never improved because I didn't practice because I didn't want the neighbours to hear. And so this whole process of singing. And then I ended up, I didn't sing in public solo until I was in my early twenties, close, nearly 25 actually. And even then it was with excruciating fear and anxiety and trepidation and paranoia. And I had an opportunity in a, oh gosh, I had, I've had some terrible singing experiences where I've literally uh, just, yeah, I've been totally crushed and I've, I've, come off stage actually one I had to sing somewhere over the rainbow in, in um in front of an audience of 400 people and I was so scared uh that I, I and 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 the whole entire time I was singing it I was I had the voices in my head saying oh my god that was a terrible note that was awful so I'm just standing there shaking like anything I finished that performance I walked off stage I walked into the dressing room I picked up my car keys and got my stuff and I left the theatre. I didn't even wait for the curtain call. I didn't, I just, and I mean, I've had, you know, I've not even shown up for auditions for, for things because I was so scared. And so I get, and I've had, you know, I've been cast lead role in, in shows and I've had a meltdown half an hour before the opening night curtain goes up. Um, and then I sung, so kind of long story short, I ended up singing in a 60s girl band, a tribute show, which I loved. But there was two of, uh, three of us, we all all sung sort of a share of the, the lead singing and, the, and backing each other up. And I always felt like the weak link. 
I always thought that why was I in this this group? And I, if if the audience member that I you know if I could see any anyone in the audience and they leaned over to speak to the person beside them, I'd imagine that they were saying she sounds terrible. What's she doing with this group? You know, and so and but all the time I'm smiling and singing and doing this whole thing. But there was this disconnect because of all this stuff that was going on in my head. And then I had, uh, oh gosh, all sorts of, it's been an ongoing journey. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm 50 now. When I was about 48, I thought, oh, I can't do this anymore. And I I, I mean, I sung with that, that group for six years. And then I've done, you know, I've had lead roles in musicals, not pro, not pro musicals, but uh, Amdram, which I've done a fair bit of since I moved to Scotland. And then I... And then I joined a band and that was even more challenging because whilst singing as a character, I could get away with it, but actually singing of, as myself, whew, that was a totally different experience. And so I had, yeah, I was quite scared. And I just thought, you know what? I'm 48. I'm tired of having this. I've got to do something about it. So I did some work with another um, a, a therapist, I suppose, or a, count, a coach and identified that whilst I thought it all stemmed from the thing that happened to me when I was eight, it actually stemmed from much earlier on. So as a three-year-old, when I was the star of the show until my brother was born, I um, had I came back to a memory where I was wandering up and down the, the hallway in the house, making lots of noise as a three-year-old does. And my dad said to me, pipe down, Melanie, you'll wake the baby. Now, it was a flippant comment. He didn't mean anything by it, but just be quiet because you'll wake the baby. Now, as a three-year-old, I took that, me that to mean that it's dangerous to express myself. And I've carried that with me my entire time. So I think when we talk about purpose, I think there's some, some and I don't know if I've nailed it or what my purpose is, but I feel like that there's this whole thing about being able to express myself and I want to help other people to be able to express their themselves. And you went, you know, we started this when you asked me about the authenticity and that sort of thing. And it is, yeah, I've found I want to be authentic and I want to support other people to communicate in a way that's authentic to them. And I don't want any, you know, that's not my style to go, Oh, you should do it this way or that way. Um, it's about finding your own style and, it's really, it's interesting because yeah, there's this piece. Of, I think I probably am quite authentic, but there is a fear of it as well. That there's always that that challenge um, where, and I'm getting better at this, obviously too. But this, we everybody has the same fear of not being liked, of not being loved, of being judged, and that's when people come to me for coaching on their presentation skills. It's usually it's not about you know and the actual skills of doing that. It's more about what's going on up here. So, and how they, yeah, how they feel about it or how they think people will perceive them. So, yeah, so an interesting journey, but I feel in a much, I turned 50 this year and I think there's also something about that as well. And because my birthday, I, I was born in 1970. So there's this, every new decade feels to me a whole new, almost reinvention of, of myself. And there's, there, it's got a great energy to it. So it, it seems right that this year is the year that I've brought uh, brought the whole red effect into into being and in 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 this particular way. And how does it feel to have got rid of a limiting belief that you've been carrying around with you for you know best part of forty five years? 
Yeah, pretty good. <laughs> and what's interesting is, you know, I work with people and I do, I use NLP techniques and various techniques to help other people with that thing of just lifting it. It's funny. We, we, and a lot of people who come to me have had, had it since they were five or something and they were in this school play or they had to stand up in front of their class and the teacher said they were stupid or whatever. We carry around this stuff. I mean, I remember years ago I spoke, I did a talk on uh around the words um the power of words and the impact that they can have and I told that story as part of some other uh, you know we woven in with some other stories and a woman came up to me afterwards and said oh my goodness she said that hit such a, a, a nerve with me she said when I got before I got married I loved painting I, I was an artist I just loved painting it was my joy in life and then when I was in my early, early days of my marriage, uh, my husband said to me, oh, you're not very good at that, are you? And she said, I put away my paints and I'm, I'm still married to the man, but 30 years later, I've never painted again. And she just had a, this realization about what she had done from that, that, that simple statement. And I think it's such a common theme for people that we, for whatever reason, something someone says, a flippant comment, and certainly my uncle didn't mean anything by the comment that he said, uh, but it, we take things in different ways. I think we need to be really careful of the words that we say and the impact that they could have on others. So, uh, yeah, it's an interesting uh, challenge, I suppose, that we have in in life to, to use our word, words in a supportive way, but also to not allow other people's words to have such a massive impact on us where we have to kind of be strong within ourselves uh, and and have that self-belief. And it's like, you know, I'm 50 now. I'm just starting to realise what, um, you know, what my my skills and talents are and, and starting to really embrace that and realise that there is something about me that is worth sharing and supporting others, you know, there's, there's gifts there that who am I to be, to be squashing that down. And this year it's been interesting because part of the whole expression thing, I just, I literally woke up one day and a poem and I don't even write poetry, but like a spoken word kind of, it rhymed. So kind of, you know, but it didn't, but it just poured out of me. And in half an hour I had written this poem and for the next two days I couldn't, not think about it. I had to, you know, the majority of it poured out, but I had to tweak it and whatever. So that just is, I think when you reconnect with who you are, that's when all those wonderful things happen and you're in flow. And the other thing is that I, I wrote a song this year as well, and I'm not a songwriter at all. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> so my brother passed away nine years ago and it was interesting that I I realized over this work that I've been doing and, and the personal development work and the getting quiet and listening and doing meditations over the, this period of this year, I've realized some other things that have been going on for me. And as a three-year-old, I actually realized that I had, I've been dimming my light since my brother was born. I was sensitive enough to know that he was quite different from me, that he was a quieter being, you know, quite artistic and maybe wouldn't be understood in, in the world. And so I, I, have realized that uh, there was this sort of unconscious decision as a three-year-old to pipe down maybe as, as my, my dad said, but actually to, to, to not outshine my brother. And then he passed away nine years ago. And I think I've, I've potentially been sabotaging myself still, you know, and this song that I've written is really about how 
I'm ready, you know, ready for both of us to shine. So by me holding on to that and not letting his spirit or his soul soar, then it, and it's it's keeping both of us trapped. Somehow I realized that there there must have been, and I don't understand all of this. I don't know what I know, believe, or anything, but even about past lives or anything like that. But I, my sense is that our soul is is more eternal, and that we just have this human experience. But I sense that there was some kind of soul contract between my brother and I, be, you know, before we were even born. And the reason I, I, I really super dawned on me is because during a meditation, um, guided meditation, there was a, uh, the suggestion to imagine a womb and you could either imagine yourself in the womb or if you're a, a, a you know, a mother or whatever, imagine the womb or whatever. So the vision that came to me was my brother and I both in the same womb. And I, it kind of dawned on me that there was this, this connection there that I maybe hadn't let go of. And I've, I've, once I realized that, I realized that I had to do something almost symbolic really to allow that to be processed. And, and I'm a big one. I, I, so I wrote a, a one woman play and performed it at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival back in 2008. And that was based on my own life experience. And what I've realized is because of, I'm a creative, I don't, I, you know, I'm not creative all the time, but I think the process of being creative is part of the, uh, the, the processing of that emotion. And it's almost quite cathartic to do it. So anyway, so I wrote this song and I've, I've done a rough recording of it. And as soon as the, the ban on travel and whatever lifts, then I'll be into the studio to actually record it. Don't know what I'm going to do with it, but it feels like another sort of chapter has closed so that I can allow my brother's soul to soar and to fly and enable me to really step into the light now that I'd been, you know, dimming or, you know, staying in the shadows pre previously. So yeah, interesting. There's all these little things throughout my life that are leading me to where I am right now, which is really quite exciting and a little bit scary too. <laughs> and it's interesting. You talked about the, the sort of power of words and the impact that words can have. And you said you wrote a poem, but you're sort of not a poet and you, that you wrote a, uh, you wrote a song, but you're not a songwriter, <laughs> but you are because you did write Clearly, a poem. Clearly, yes. <laughs> And you are a playwright and you are a singer, a songwriter and, and a poet. Yeah. And, and, you know, this is we, we always have this sort of doubts that because we have done something once that doesn't make us that sort of particular title. But it does, you know, it just because, you know, you're not sort of Paul McCartney who writes millions and doesn't make you any less of a songwriter. So it's interesting how we sort of. And also we struggle to find our gifts, our strengths, and, and sort of when we understand our values, it all starts to slot into place. And I, yeah. I spend so many time, so many hours with, with people working on their values. And it just strikes me as how you know you don't know them, you sort of drift around. And when you have your values, and it's not just a paper exercise, because I think there is a difference. You know, a lot of people do it as a bit of lip service as part of a course. And then they, as you say, put it into a, a drawer and it, there it stays for, that you know, me. there are. <laughs> and, and, but if they didn't connect and, and clearly it didn't connect because they, you hadn't spent enough time or you hadn't done it in a way that actually resonated. But this time was different because you allowed yourself to express yourself. Yeah. And interestingly, I, I mean, years ago, I, I came up with what I thought was a bit of a purpose. 
And it, it was interesting because I, in the lead up to when I was about to turn 40, I got super paranoid about finding my purpose because as a um, right up, right through my 20s, it had been all about performing. So I had I'd wanted to be a performer. That was my goal. And, and then I hit 30. I got married. I got a a full-time job. And interestingly, I'd, I'd worked alongside my performing career. I'd worked for a big retailer in their head office and in marketing role type roles. And so I ended in customer relations and that sort of thing. So I, I learned so much about business during that time. I was, I'm so grateful for that experience. Um, and obviously paid the bills when I wasn't performing and, but then when I, I hit 30, suddenly I felt like I had to you know be grown up or whatever. And I, I, I got married, got a real job, you know, permanent uh, job. But I realized, um, yeah, well, that all fell apart. So that's a whole nother story. But don't worry about that. Where was I going with this even uh, purpose? That's right. So as I, but I was, as I was approaching 40, so I was already living in Scotland by then. And I, I was asking everyone I knew, do you know what your purpose is? I felt like I needed to know my purpose. And I, I was, and quite a few people were like, yeah, I think, yeah, I'm, I think I'm living my purpose. And I'm like, that's so cool. You know, that must feel amazing. And I asked one friend who I've known since I was four years old, we don't see each other that much, but I was back in Australia and I said to her, what's, what's your purpose? I'm, you know, I'm trying to find my purpose. She's like, why are you looking for your purpose? And she said, isn't the purpose of life just to live it? And oh my goodness, it was like a light bulb went off for me. And it it just almost gave me permission to not search for my purpose. So I, I went into my 40s without the pressure of trying to know what my purpose was. And then throughout the, the last sort of 10 years, I've had different kind of snippets have come to me, but I've maybe ignored them or just kind of put them aside. And, and then I had a time where when I... Um, uh, some words came to me about, you know, the, my, my purpose to is to use my energy, positivity and creativity to inspire and, to, and entertain. And then I added in to educate, educate as well, because that's kind of what I do. Uh, and then I also had this thing about I want really want to live my life, um, create truthfully, fearlessly, creatively and abundantly. And I looked at those for over this last year. I kind of revisited those. And I looked at my, my life and I went, okay, I'm, am I living it truthfully? I'm getting there. You know, I'm trying to be true to myself fearlessly. No, I'm still holding myself back in so many ways, creatively sometimes, but probably not enough to be fulfilling for me and abundantly. Yes. In some ways and no, in other ways. So I went back to that and then the whole then I just started applying the red effect to myself. So I started to think, well, what would be my shade of red? And I came up with the shade of red, real, expressed and daring. And that kind of summed up that truthfully, fearlessly sort of thing. And, and that's when I really stepped into it. And I, I brought the program to life and because I got, you know, I got, I got real, I got true to myself. I got really totally, uh, on that, uh, expressed. And I, instead of using the word expressive, I used the past tense of expressed because it was so important for me to not leave things unsaid and to get brave about actually speaking up, even if it didn't feel comfortable and that sort of thing as well. And then daring, you know, stepping outside my comfort zone. And I've done that so many times in my life, but I'd still realize that I was holding myself back. So I've applied that shade of red to my life 
this year. And I think that's kind of my overarching shade of red for my entire life. Uh, but I'm also looking at, okay, so what does 2021 look like for me? And I started to think about, well, uh, that's about recognition for me. It's starting to bring bring the whole red effect into um, into being and writing the book that I started and that sort of thing. Um, and then expansion, because it's time for me to expand the business, expand what I'm doing. Uh, so recognition, expansion, and, and the D for next year is going to be about delegation because I have realized that I cannot do it by myself. And <laughs> my mum has said to me many times, the first words that came out of my mouth that as soon as I could start to talk were me do myself. And I've always been fiercely independent. I don't like asking for help. I want to be able to do it all myself, but I'm finally accepting that I can't and I need to build a team around me so that I can work in my zone of genius and allow other people to work in their zone of genius as well. So they'll be being more red while I'm being more red and together we can you know, create something amazing, hopefully. So that's kind of where I'm at now. <laughs> that's fantastic. And, and you're right about the purpose word. You know, it can be a scary word and a lot of people put a lot of pressure on themselves to find their purpose. And it doesn't work that way. It's, you know, it's a case of you, you create it, you actually make, you, you know, you, you just, through design and just relaxing into, as you say, your zones of of genius that's where you're likely to find it so or not find it create it you know yeah or just live it yeah yeah (laughs) I think there's some some questions that had started you know that I, I I now use almost as a guide and it's you know I've got along with my my five key values that I've got up there you know on a sign I you know a um poster on in my bedroom that I see every every day and I've got what's your shade of red and I've got my other four words the truthfully fearlessly creatively and abundantly but I've also got choose love and the questions underneath that is does it bring me joy is it good for my soul and it's such a valuable tool to think about in terms of decision making and every single thing that I do if I go back to those and I think about, yeah, my shade of red, my values and those questions helps guide me every day, really. And it's a fantastic sort of two sort of grounding elements to have. Does it bring you joy? And uh, what was the second one? Is it good for my soul? Is it good for my soul? And I know that Marie Kondo says, well, if you're going to go through your wardrobe, she says, put, put everything up and re- feel it and say, does this bring you joy? And if it doesn't, then you don't need to keep it anymore. So yeah. it's a it's a great method good to question. use. Really good. So Mel, it's been wonderful exploring your purpose. It's whiz by, it really has. <laughs> and I just want to say thank you so much for being more read on the on the podcast. It's been fantastic. And I know that you'll be inspiring lots of people out there, particularly women, but not necessarily just women, to be more read. Thank you very much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. So how would people get in contact with you? Probably the best way is through my website, melsherwood.com. Very simple. Otherwise, I'm on all social media channels. You'll find me on LinkedIn or Twitter or Instagram or Facebook. So, yeah, but probably my my website's the easiest, melsherwood.com. Perfect. I'm sure people want to see how red you are and and just to (laughs) connect connect with you in all of those places. I'll make sure they go in the show notes. So final few words from you, Mel, before we say goodbye, please. Well, final few words. I think... I would encourage everyone to just get back to reconnecting with with who you really are and think about, okay, what's my shade of red? 
What's my R-E-D word that's going to guide me either overall for my life, but also if you've got a certain situation coming up, like for example, a presentation or an interview or something, how do I want to show up? Because we make choices every moment of every day. And ultimately, I wrote a blog post recently actually about red being an attitude. It literally, we we have a choice. And that's the brilliant, wonderful thing. We sometimes think we don't have choices, but in whatever situation we're in, we always have choices. So how do you want to see that? And and that's why I often think to myself, well, what shade of red can I apply in this situation to make the best choice for me? So that would be my question to folk. What's your shade of red? Thank you for listening to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson, and if you've enjoyed this episode, please leave me a five-star Apple podcast review. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook, and become a member of my inspiring, uplifting, and positive Focus on Why Facebook group. I help people to focus on their why with clarity, uniting their passion with their purpose with a plan to create the life they truly desire. If you would like me to help you focus on your why, then please book a free 20-minute coaching call via candidly.com forward slash Amy Rowlandson. And if you haven't already, please sign up for the Friday Focus weekly newsletter via my website, amyrollinson.com. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why.